Good morning, and welcome to HR Tech Weekly, one step closer with Stacy Harris and John Sumpter. Hi, Stacy. How's life in North Carolina? Good morning, John. We're doing well. We, we've got some sunshine today. We've got on and off thunderstorms, but that's, that's sort of a nice thing. It washes away all the yellow pollen in the air, um, and we're all still sheltering in place in our homes. So I don't think much has changed. I mean, obviously... We're all watching the news from our various areas, um, and our hearts go out to everyone in those areas that are being most affected, like New York and New Jersey right now, um, but really to anybody who's, who's lost people right now. So, yeah, it, uh, we're doing well in North Carolina, though, I think. So how, how about you? California seems to have gotten to a point where they're, they're, they're thinking they might have flattened the curve. Is, is this, this is sort of exciting um, in this age of, of COVID-19 crisis to hear the good news coming out of California. Did, does it feel good to you guys there? No, <laughs> no, no, because, because <laughs> flat, flattening the curve just means it's going to take longer. Um, and and I wish I wish that wasn't true. I wish that flattening the curve meant okay, we can go back to normal now. But but it's a it's a it's a funny thing to celebrate that there's we've avoided so far what they're seeing in New York City, but 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 in some ways we just put it off a little bit because the hospital beds are filling up and we're gonna run out of hospital beds shortly and um it's it's a different thing and still the um um you know the people the people who are working are working hard and, and and trying to figure out how to navigate all of the complex emotions while yeah. um, get, getting 10 and 12 hour days in six days a week. And the people who aren't working are trying to figure out what in the world you do about looking for work when everybody's been laid off. So so the the, the disease is kind of like the catalytic structure of this but the mess itself is you see it i'm sure it's the same way for you you go into the grocery store and everybody's in masks and gloves yeah, um yeah uh, right and um so so there aren't bodies in the streets like there might be in new york but there but but it's it's weird it's just yeah, weird it's scary and it's scary i mean yep. i think that's um, you know, a lot of the, the, I think the stuff that's been going around has been about managing stress, managing wellness. It's also been about how to be a, um, how to sort of manage that when you have other people who are depending on you greatly, right? Like whether that's employees who are looking to you or whether that's your children, you know, there's a story going around about you know, parents not being okay because their children are feeling the stress and how are you, you managing that from a psychological perspective, right? Um, and, and I can remember, I can remember my, you know, going through some level of that, um, after 9-11 when my boys were, uh, seven and three and it, it's hard to explain these kind of environments, right. To children and, and they can feel and pick up on your, on your moods, but it's really true that even your employees can feel and pick up on, on your stress related issues or your your, you know, partners who were, who were in the, you know, um, quarantine with you. So, yeah, I think it's, 
it's that pr- double pressure of sort of it's weird, it's scary, and then you're trying to manage your own emotions, right? And those two things are, are very difficult right now, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, and and still business goes on, um, and yeah. and we've got we've got interesting stuff in the pipeline today. So so what do you see in the mailbag? Yeah, surprisingly, I think actually we're seeing more business now, even though we're probably being hit with some of the harder, um, you know, the harder issues with the COVID nineteen crisis because there are more deaths right now. There are more frontline and healthcare workers who are struggling or being burned out. But the people who have all been sort of pushed to work at home, which is the whole world at at some level, um, are now sort of they've they, they've they've gotten into you know so we're, we're st- we've stopped dealing with computers trying to be figured out and and what's my workspace and 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 just the shock of of sort of the whole thing and so we are starting to see some things pick up um this week we got some interesting stuff going on um one is a, a video sharing startup Didgrid was acquired by the chicago hr tech company some of you probably know their name paylocity part of the, the 3p groups everybody's always calling them but uh, video. Um, this is interesting because Paylocity is one of the small payroll companies um, uh, out of Illinois that has um, primarily been focused on just picking up little HR applications to go along with them. But a video sharing startup is interesting. We also saw this week some really big investments. Um, WorkJam, which is sort of a digital workplace solutions provider, raised $50 million in a Series C funding. So this is not their, their first um, funding round. We also saw a similar organization, Notion, a maker of collaboration software, similar type of application, raised $50 million as well. This is their second round, which just raises it to about $65 million for them overall. So we are definitely still seeing investments. There's some smaller investments. We're also seeing some mergers and acquisitions. I think um, companies are realizing that they, you know, they can do better, stronger together than they can not. Cloud Mills um, and HR and X merge um, to create a single sort of integration type of platform tool. And so we can have some conversations about that. We're also seeing, you know, some, some news coming out of our, our larger vendors. Um, SAP, Workday, pay, uh, ADP, all have been sort of putting a lot, been a lot of conversation in the financial markets about how well they're doing, how well they're not doing. We've got, we got a, a briefing from SAP last week, which basically said, you know, things are doing well, we have things in the pipeline, you know, um, and we are concerned about what's happening with our financials, but up until that point, things were looking really good, right? Uh, SAP, for example, said their total revenues is up by 5% and cloud revenue grew by 25% year over year, um, which is a good place to be right now um, in the middle of all this. Um, but they also gave some, some details about other things that were going on, so we can cover that a little bit. And then if we get a little bit of time today, um, there are a lot of the question is whether they're new applications or if they're just taking what an organization is already doing or, or does and they're just putting out press releases on it. But we are seeing some interesting, I think, uses of existing technology in the era of the crisis. One is, I'm not going to say their name correctly, and I wish I, I, I knew how to say it. I will have to go and find out. But Cisco, Neem Cisco, N-E-M-E-S-Y-S-C-O. I have seen them. Um, before in conversations, but they are a voice analytics 
um, uh, organization that basically analyzes um, work meetings and gives feedback on emotions. Um, they are now rolling out a new remote employee wellness monitoring program. Uh, JustWorks um, launched a new tool to help businesses offer COVID-19 related paid leave. And JustWorks has sort of a payroll, a, a light payroll with a, uh, a bunch of sort of services and tools around tax and, and, and um, management of benefits and those type of things. And they're now adding an automated version of one of a lot of other small businesses are getting their managed service organizations to do. So there's some interesting things there that are being rolled out. Um, and Eightfold AI is creating a talent exchange with the Food Industry Association um, to immediately match recently furloughed or laid off employees with critical open jobs. So interesting stuff going on. Definitely things aren't, you know, they're picking back up as far as the speed of, of activity. The question is, is it the same kind of activity that we saw before the COVID-19 crisis hit, right? So I want to start with Lean Cisco. Right, that's mm-hmm. a that's a pretty interesting thing. This Neem Cisco is a company that uses voice analysis to detect emotion, um, personality, and and assess risk. And yep. they are now offering their service for um, monitoring of remote employees in meetings. That's the announcement, yep. right? Um, and I wonder, I wonder, I, it, it, the, there are two things. One is, I'm not sure that, that there's actual science here, right? Um, um, that's, not, that's not at all clear that this has been through some sort of academic, academically rigorous scientific thing. But the other thing is, so, so, so let's say you're my supervisor and we have uh, Neem, Neem Cisco monitoring my participation in the various meetings that I have. So you get a monthly report about my mood in meetings. Mm-hmm. What do you do with that? But what exactly? What exactly is the information that you actually get from being able to monitor my mood in a meeting? Yeah, it, this is an interesting conversation, right? Because the, the way they're they're representing this is that it will help you understand if there is stressors or frustration or um, anger building in a situation, right? Um, but I think your 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 question is right on, right? So when I know that, but there are a lot. But I can tell you, even my company, which is a very small company and has not put out surveys for anything, is putting out a weekly pulse survey trying to understand where everybody's at, both their perceptions, their workloads, if they personally have COVID-19. So I think companies are trying to get some gauge of what's happening with their employees. This seems to be a less intrusive way to do that, possibly, if the data and the science work the way they say it works, right? Um, I can see the appeal of this because I know as an employee, I hate taking those surveys they're sending out, right? So, so is that the possibility of what they're looking at here? Well, well so the company, um, the company does an array of things. It does, one of the things it does is it correlates personality to the tone of your voice. Now, that seems like bullshit to me, but 
you know, that's just me. Um, um, and then, it, and then it also uses the same voice signal to um, identify mood and stress um, yep. in, in in my voice. And so, again, um, the, the the question is, what do you do with that? What do you do with yeah. that? In their in their call center in their call center products, they claim to be able to identify. Um, calls that are going bad while they're going bad um, they, they say that three or four percent of calls end up with the customer being mistreated and so they say yeah. that they can monitor this and notify the supervisor so the supervisor can immediately get into the call and fix the problem um, yeah. and that's 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 interesting but the but but Call center behavior and meeting behavior are very, very different things. Um, you know, it may be appropriate to express uh, extreme displeasure in a meeting, for instance. That may be entirely appropriate. It, it may not be appropriate in a call center. And so the, the context in which mood happens and the context in which my personality is displayed are critical factors that it's very, very difficult to understand. And so, so I can imagine being, being called into a supervisor's office and go, you know, you're awful grumpy on Tuesdays and Thursdays. What's going on? Right. Or, or wow, you've been in a rosy spirited mood for 37 days in a row. Are you drinking on the job? Can you imagine uh, being called into the boss's office because of your mood? Yeah, well, <laughs> and, and my sense is that, that you probably don't get down to the individual level um, at maybe at that, like the, the, that might be more an aggregate. And again, not knowing, we haven't done a briefing with them, so let's be you know, upfront with that. So I think there's, there's an opportunity to be briefing, but where they pointed out that they're not, I mean, this is a new thing they're doing right in this sort of meeting analysis. You know, previously where they've been used is in things like background screening and recruiting processes, which is very personal, right? Um, to under, to better understand the mindset of employees who, you know, are, you're evaluating, that is a one-to-one -one connection. Um, and the, this is the same company that does credit risk analysis, right? Their belief is that they can give some sense of, of whether or not you're a worse or better credit risk based off of the voice analysis. So it, it, it really walks that fine line, right, of, you know, not just what we call HR creepy, but, but privacy standards, right? Because to your point, the, the context is important, but it's also a bit about what you're personally dealing with emotionally, right? Um, and and what's going on in your world before and after whatever this this meeting or this verbal exchange is, right? Um, and so I think what what um, the big conversation here is what is this based off of? What science? Because um, I, I'm just waiting for one company to use this kind of data, and in some way it gets back to someone um, and. And it ends up blowing up in their face, right? So, so that would be the concern here. So it would be that, you know, are you using this um, 
in a way that could be against any privacy or regulation laws or anything like that. And I, they don't seem to mention that right now in any of this. Yeah. Yeah, but there's a, there's a clue, and the clue is um, um, in this in this notice that we're talking about. Uh, the there's always a standard quote from a customer of some kind, and the and the the person they quote here is the CEO of a polygraph company, right? Lie detector <laughs> test. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so and so 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 this is this is and, and the lie detector test people think this is great stuff. Uh, and so, so if you're in that world where, where you treat your employees that way, um, that lie detector tests are some necessary part of the onboarding process, um, maybe this is what you do. But I, but I have the hardest time. This says we're going to assess employee wellness by listening to their voices, yeah. and. You know, and I don't. I don't think it, there's a there's an adequate definition of employee wellness. So assessing it, I, I, I'm not. Are you aware of anybody else who assesses employee wellness? I think people are trying to assess the mood of employees, and with that, making some inferences around how that will impact wellness. I think there's that's two very different things. I don't think you can assess wellness from a voice perspective, because wellness is both mental, physical, it's a whole range of things, right? And I think that, that, that makes such a broad statement about what wellness is, that, it, that it's a very poorly worded approach, you know, conversation there. Yeah, well, they say they could, they say they could bother their employee wellness this way. Uh, yeah. they, they, don't, yeah. they, don't, they don't quibble about that. They say that that's what they're doing, and that just seems like, it seems like a reach, and it seems like you you know if if you're if you're getting into the work from home environment, um, part of what we're going to see is increased monitoring of employees for a yeah. variety of reasons, and there is a a, a temptation to um, be sort of draconian in that monitoring. You know, the, there are already stories out there of of uh, companies that keep Zoom on full time so they can see if you're actually at your desk doing your job. Yeah. Yeah. Right? This, and, I think, you know, we're going to find lots of this um, work, work from home is possible, but I, you know, this idea that I need to verify where you're at, what you're doing at all times. Right. Um, it almost becomes as if being at your desk meant you were working. That that would be my comment. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. All of us who've worked in offices really know <laughs> that being at your desk, I mean, just watch office space, right? Does not mean you're working. <laughs> but I think there's this renewed, like, conversation about this topic, right, because of the work from home uh, component to it. Um, and And as if smiling meant that you were in a good mood or as if sort of being in a good mood meant that you were engaged in your company. All of those things are, um, uh, again, assumptions we make without really thinking through behavioral science and psychology. And again, you know, not, not knowing what um, the science is behind Neem Cisco's sort of model you know, I think if you're using AI and algorithms and the data you get from any one set of group of people going through one set of situation, my sense is it, it 
just like any other AI or algorithm, you can't just take that data set and automatically transfer it to another environment um, and, and make the same predictions or assessments because it has to be retrained and rethought, right? And so I think there's just a lot of loopholes in this is what I would say, right? Yeah, I think, uh, you, you know, one of the things that anybody who's worked in retail or hospitality knows is how to put on a good face, uh, full, brimming full of enthusiasm and generosity when you don't really feel like doing it, right? That, yeah. that sort of fake it till you make it ethic is is what you do if you're working in a job where being cheerful is a necessary part of the thing. And and so, so it just makes me wonder whether or not you can actually measure um, um, sort of the, the, the tears of a clown kind of thing. Can you measure what's underneath the, the, the happy face? I don't know. I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how they do. So, so, so cloud, cloud bills and HR and X are merging. Um, and that's, yeah. to me, that's interesting because, they are both companies that help um, their clients wire all of their systems together. Um, and um, I think it's good to see them coming together because it's, it's, it's something that is kind of a niche and kind of a necessary standard. And um, um, the idea that there would be a, a Betamax and a VHS solution out there is, has always been troubling. And so now that now yeah. we're getting closer to a single solution. Yeah. And I, I really, to me, you know, I, I remember running into cloud mills a few years back and, 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 you know, talking about what they were doing. And, and it was sort of, you know, we've got these large um, integration tools like a uh, mule soft or a, or, or you know, those type of applications, right? Um, and Cloud Mills was, was really focused on the idea that, look, we're taking the HR conversation to the same level. We're going to not just make it easier to integrate. We're going to pre-create, you know, those integrations. And HRNX was, was talking about doing the same thing when I met them a few years back as well. And the fact that we think about HR as a uniquely, um, as a unique organization, <coughs> that needs to, you know, have its own set of connectors is really a, a critical and important thing because it is the one software across enterprise organizations that gets touched by more than anything else. So I can tell you from the Cedar research, on average, across all organizations, they have 18 different connectors to an HR, major HR application. For large organizations, that jumps up to 60 to 70 integration connections that have to be managed. And for small organizations, that's somewhere in the range of eight to 10. That's a lot of integration connections to be um, managing and to maybe have to think about even developing or creating if, if you don't have some tool that'll do it for you. So yeah, I think this is really interesting. Yeah, yeah, good luck to them because it's a, it's a critical thing and you know, this is this is part of your work in, in IRAM, isn't it? That that mm -hmm. the that the broad array of people in HR don't really understand the under the hood complexities of HR tech, and this is an under yeah. under the hood uh, tool for HR tech. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, and it's, it, yeah. 
go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, and, and it's an under-the-hood tool, and it's a tool that makes it possible for those professionals who are doing that kind of work to focus on the more strategic areas when they have a tool that helps them through this versus having to do the hands-on work. So. Yeah, yeah. So that's cool. So so SAP released their numbers, and they're just the first, but their numbers are down, yeah? Yeah. They're, they're down for this for this month, right? So um, basically, the software license revenue was down 31% year-over-year in Q1, which ended on March 31st. Um, but they said their first two months of the period had healthy activity, but the coronavirus pandemic obviously postponed significant amounts of launches. Like I said, their briefing was very positive that they gave last week, and we had a lot of new um, interesting things that they were talking about that were on the roadmap. Um, what caught my eye in this one was they also announced with that sort of all the different conversations about what was happening, what was impacting these um, year-over-year uh, software license revenues was that um, the total um, investment or incurred charges of the cancellation of in-person events uh, was a total for them of 36 million, I think that the euros, 36 million euros for just canceling the in-person events, not, which is um, their big Sapphire event. And then they also had uh, um, several other, um, I think a, uh, SAP small events that were canceled as well. But that's just, I, I just, I, I don't know that I've heard yet the numbers that have been incurred by all these cancellations. That was the first time I heard someone put it out in total like that. That's a that's a big number, but these are monstrous events. They're the heart of business development at at SAP and Workday and, and Oracle. And um I I imagine that those marketing departments are really scrambling to figure out how to replace the lead generation that that, that reflects, right? That's that's the fact that they're paying those cancellation fees for those big things suggest that they're they're going to have a contraction in business development. Yeah. yeah there'll be actually, there'll be some sort of a, a a addressable sort of next step over this and and the business development that goes along with it has to be sort of figured out, right? Um that you would normally have gotten from that kind of investment. And that's that's the investment of canceling, so you know that you know what they would have spent initially on the overall um events were much higher. And the expectation was that all the business development that would have come out of that would have been so much higher, right? So yeah, this is right. this is where I think you know many of the large organizations are at, especially if they had big events in the first part of this year. Many of them did. Some some um, are looking out that they've got the fall timeframe when they're doing their events, um, but that still has an impact, I think, on other types of events <clears throat> that were sort of industry specific or regionally specific that were going on at this time of year as well. So. So yeah, I think we're going to see a lot more um, of the of the impact of the lack of sort of um, events and connections and business development efforts that could go on in this first quarter are going to play out through the summer and into the third quarter of the market, right? As we, we get into the fall season. Yep. Yep. So let's touch on notion and what was the, what was the other guy with notion work jam, uh, work, jam. work jam and notion yeah <laughs> always interesting name yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah yeah so 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 this is pretty sizable fund they're both 50 million dollar fundings and it's pretty sizable given the frightening business climate right now so so what do you know about these guys well, 
you know, I, I haven't briefed with either of them, but I have seen mention of them. So, you know, I don't think they're they're huge in the market. I mean, um, you know, Notion I know a little bit better. They, um, you know, have stayed fairly small. They have 42 employees, um, 1 million users. I mean, to give context, right, you know, our survey covers 21 million users from an organizational perspective, right? So just, you know, that, so we have like 1,800 different organizations who participate in the Sears Theater Survey, and it's 21 million employees that are covered in that sort of data set. Um, so, so 1 million users is, is good, but it's not huge, right? Um, uh, they, they say that they have organized more than 180 meetups in 21 countries and 52 cities. So Notion is really much more of a, a platform, it seems to be sort of connecting those collaborative conversations, right? Um, where my, my sense of Jam is they're a little bit more on the different technical side. They're, they're offering more tools and capabilities to have conversations and take notes and those type of things inside of that environment. Um, my question about these kind of environments is, is how do these compare to the existing Zoom and um, GoToMeeting environments or the Slack environments? It, are, are these combinations of those? So I think, you know, getting into this, we're going to start to see a another sort of rise in collaboration tools because we, we sort of lost a lot, I think, of momentum when we started to get sort of a couple of big players in that space. There wasn't a whole lot of innovation, I would say, in the collaboration space for virtual workers over the last three or four years. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if these guys are able to compete with, with um, some of the big market shares right now. Yeah, the other thing that's going to be interesting is to see whether or not um, uh, the work from home thing actually works. I, you know, I, I keep hearing a whole lot of people who are anxious to go back to the office. Their fantasy about working from home has turned out to be needing to do the dishes when you're supposed to be in a meeting. Um, you know, it's... It, yeah. Right. Uh, and so so there's there's complexity to this. Right. It, it, it looks on one hand like working from home is a big deal and is going to power move forward. And, and then on the other hand, uh, maybe not. Maybe maybe yeah. what we're yeah. discovering is that people need to work together. I think the one differentiator for the work jam is that it sounds like they're trying to create sort of collaborative for frontline workers. So I'm not exactly sure how this is working in this particular space, but um, they're talking about actually doing sort of digital sort of collaboration for those who are non-desk workers. And that's a unique differentiator, right? Um, right. And so um, that might, because I do think right now our frontline uh, workers are struggling because I had this conversation with someone the other day about, you know, well, it's easy to send an email to everybody who's sitting at a desk, even if they're all at home sitting at a desk, right? But, you know, reaching my frontline workers with really important and critical information now has become a big challenge. And letting them vent their frustrations or their fears or their concerns, right? Like pushing to them might be easy. I texted or something. But getting their feedback has been difficult, which is why we're seeing a lot of uptakes in pulse surveys. So that might be a differentiator for something like a like a, a work jam too. So so maybe your comment about sort of is the work at home working is a big conversation, but it's also is this sort of 
separation of work employees, because I don't think that's going to go away as much. I mean, we're probably going to have a year at least, if not more, as this, you know, virus kind of works through our work environments of people sort of relearning how to work where they don't maybe sort of sit in the same room as often or they do have to stay six feet away even when we do go back to the to the um, business, you know, sort of being open, those type of things, right? Yep. Yep. Another great call. Um, thanks for taking the time to do this, Stacey. It was a good conversation. Um, yep, as always. Yeah, you've been listening to HR Tech Weekly with Stacey Harris and John Sumser. We'll see you back here next week. Thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye.